Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, and Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases at staggered intervals, Curse Code and Crown, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the Bad Movie Review Show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise today. Welcome back, children of the night, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am your host, Count Vlad von Lestat, drinker of blood, keeper of the Chronicle, and all around the spooky dude. The coterie are gearing up for Montreal's first Elysium in decades. Iris is reclaiming her identity alongside Emily in her apartment. Everett forced Ridley to take care of a situation where the Bear Boys kidnapped a police officer before they went shopping. And Ridley pretended to be a movie producer to get Kyle Minogue to create more bullets for the coterie and special vampire killing gloves for Ridley. What horrors await them all at Elysium? Hmm? Abandon hope. All ye who listen here. Ridley and Everett, you are headed to meet uh, the vampire hunter Jocelyn St. James with the incredibly, incredibly accurate and consistent Australian accent. Now, when you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, I don't know, his accent sure is drifting. 
incorrect. That's just a fault of the audio medium. What you are hearing is a flawless Australian accent because she is from Australia and her accent is flawless. Um, having uh, put in your order at Iris's condo uh, for your punchy stabby glove um, and uh, having uh, determined your, your outfits, um, you are off to uh, meet up with uh, Jocelyn uh, to try and ascertain kind of what her uh, deal is, what her objectives are. Uh, Everett, obviously, you've been uh, kind of like stalked in a way by her for a bit. Um, first showing up when you um, went to meet Mr. Ken uh, for information, later um, seemingly saving you from the uh, uh, the squad car mishap after that baby you borrowed. And um, now the, uh, the time has come for some answers. So uh, the two of you are going to meet her. Uh, is there anything you discuss on the way over? Are you kind of trying to come up with like a unified plan or like what's what's going on um i think maybe just a quick review of like etiquette in terms of let's try not to kill her <laughs> well what if we need to though like why when when does it become okay we fucking offer like what if her problem is fuck all vampires uh, well we're vampires so that's fucking bad deal See, I think that's just not the case because she could have just burnt us up in the club with the rest of the vampires if her view was fuck all vampires. See, this so is just don't why... want anyone to fly off the handle here. See, this is why you're the detective because you're putting all the pieces together and I'm paranoid. Okay, so we don't need to go in guns blazing, but uh, I mean, I, I don't even know why the fuck we're going. Um, so we're going to meet her. Do you, what do you want from her? Information. She, uh... She puzzles me. It's uh, it's an odd thing, you know, for us to be rescued by a vampire hunter. She wants us for a job, and we don't have those details yet, so. All right, we got this fucking Drek we should ask about. Maybe she knows about that. Okay. Uh, fuck it, yeah, all right. I'll let you take the lead. I'll be here. Uh, if you fucking need someone to do the old uh, rippy gutsies, uh, maybe there should be a signal. What would you, what would you want to say pocket. so I know fucking rippy gutsies? Um, when Ridley says like rippy gutsies, um, it's, it's, it's not a, a judgment on Ridley personally, but the thing that does come to mind is like a wild dog, just like tearing something apart. So, so Everett just says, uh, sick him. Oh, that's fucking good. That's good. Also, I don't think you'd say that by accident, which is the real key to these things. Otherwise, you know. At uh, one time, I knew a fucking guy who said, throw down if I say happy birthday. And he took me to a fucking birthday party. It was the worst. That I, kid will that never seems, forget. He was only four. That seems incredibly careless. Yeah, don't don't worry. I hurt the guy, but only in the closet. I made sure the kid couldn't see. You don't want to mess with children. One could say it's one of my, I don't know, values, rules. <sighs> right, It's right, one of my yeah. convictions. <laughs> What an oddly specific phrase that surely has no mechanical value to you. Nope, only about... All British criminals talk about their convictions so much. Yeah, I had convictions, but then I lost that page, so I'm just kind of a wild, wild man out here on the streets. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, you've got touchstones, you know, as the person. Also very popular in British mobster circles. Yeah. Yeah, that's why all the Guy Ritchie films, they're constantly like, all right, here's the deal. Touchstones. Everyone seems to have a friend in those fucking movies. I don't fucking get it. They could all make a lot of money if they just bought a gun. <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of where the conversation 
kind of goes off to other fun stuff but it's it's basically like cool heads going in we've got like a kill word kill phrase if we need it but uh but we're we're, we're here to listen we're here to talk great clear eyes clear our hearts can't lose um yeah the vampire code yeah <laughs> um <laughs> miles uh their eyes, no hearts, can't lose. That's yeah. right. Uh, Iris uh, is having, uh, as we've established, a, a pretty relaxing evening. Um, so I don't want to fuck with the, the mythology we've already set up. Uh, I did want to ask, though, um, is there anything you think Iris would be doing other than just chilling out? Uh, we've established the bath is happening. The goal is to just not be bothered by anything. But, I mean, uh, you know, you're hanging out in the tub. Uh, you've got your your fresh squeezed blood martini. Um, what uh, do you think? There's anything else you'd be doing, or would you literally just be taking a second to enjoy sweet sweet freedom and the return of Emily? I should probably be texting Emily dress options for her to okay. go find. Um, what kind of outfit do you think Iris would be aiming for for Elysium? Like a like an Oscar worthy gown. Okay. Um, which, in broad strokes, what are you imagining that would... What kind of options do you think should be after? Because there's obviously a lot of different uh, Oscar fashions, uh, some of which are amazing, some of which are terrible. Uh, we talking, like, elegant classic Hollywood? Are we talking uh, modern and thought-provoking? What's... Yeah, definitely, like, elegant Hollywood. She wants to look beautiful without standing out, but, like... Maybe with a couple of weird, like, options thrown in, like some of the geometric stuff that Kate Blanchett wears sometimes. It's kind of, like, still classy and beautiful, but just, like, a couple weird structural lines. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to need you to please roll me a... Uh, let's go with wits and... Um, etiquette? I'd give you etiquette or uh, leadership. Let's go etiquette. One, su one success. Okay. Um, so uh, given the short notice and the uh, lack of uh, Academy Awards season in the fair city of Montreal, um, your options are a little bit limited, uh, but um, Emily is able to find you one good kind of classic, if somewhat understated, uh, classic Hollywood outfit, and one kind of vaguely, uh, not necessarily outrageous, but memorable um, outfit with uh, that's definitely a little bit more um, in your face about the design. Which of the two would you take? What are the colors? <laughs> Because that matters. Um, okay. Uh, the uh, out there one is, uh, we'll say like um, crimson. Uh, the classic Hollywood is black with gold trim. Probably the more out there one. If okay. we're going, if it's red, then she's likely going to gravitate to that. Okay, great. So you send that off to Emily, um, who. Uh, Despite being uh, still vaguely feral, uh, is, uh, you know, an evening shopper. It's fine if Ridley <laughs> and Everett can get away with it. I'm sure she can, too. Um, so she leaves to go sort that out, uh, and you are left finally uh, alone-ish, aside from the victims hanging up in the other room, um, in uh, in your condo. 
meanwhile, um, you, uh, gentlemen, you pull up, um, and uh, you notice that um, uh, Jocelyn's actually uh, outside the location she'd uh, she'd recommended that you meet at, uh, and is kind of like gesturing down an alley. Um, it's uh, Ridley. I think actually both you and Everett would would recognize this as um, the the look of someone who might be concerned uh, that they've been made. Um, so she just walks off down the alley. Um, uh, but, um, I think, uh, if you guys can roll me a streetwise, please, uh, with, I think, intelligence or composure. Tom. Yes, sir. Because I haven't dealt with the darker side of these things before. I have three successes, but I also have two ones. Does that matter at all? Do they balance out successes, or is it only if you get no successes? I think you have to fail the test in order to get bestial failures. Okay, cool. Then I have three successes. And I have two successes. Uh, I'm just going to confirm that, though. One sec. Uh... Oh, of course it's not in the index. I forgot which book I was looking at. <laughs> not going to confirm it. The Keep useful book. Ruling. The good it's, book. Uh, storyteller. Yeah, Storyteller Ruling. That. Um, okay, great. So um, with those, uh, I think, uh, gentlemen, you would recognize uh, the danger in, in just immediately following her if there seems to be um, some kind of concern that uh, perhaps she's been made. Um, so instead, um, you both start to make your way around the corner uh, to kind of try and find a, a different uh, entrance in. So making your way down a, a side alleyway, um, you uh, you find uh, Jocelyn St. James, who you notice has um, uh, somewhat dressed down for the occasion. Um, she's not wearing, like, you know, the giant wide-brimmed hat. Um, uh, her outfit is is still very noticeable on the streets of Montreal, um, but she's uh, clearly kind of tucked the hat uh, hat away. You don't see she's not like open carrying a crossbow or any shit. Um, uh, she does have kind of one of those heavy um, uh, Australian raincoats that are kind of treated in that um, like a beeswax kind of um, treatment. So kind of a big slicker essentially. Uh, and um, Everett, you can immediately pick up the the jangle of of weapons uh, kind of inside the coat, um, but this does seem to be kind of her incognito. Uh, it's incognito in a Ninja Turtle wearing a fedora and a trench coat kind of way, in that, like, technically a disguise, um, but, uh, you know, the, the striking silver hair uh, definitely is, uh, is, is a pretty dead giveaway. Um but uh, she uh, smiles at both of you and says her catchphrase, Tom knows an accent line. Well, good eye, mates. Uh, sorry about having to give you all the runaround. Come around the corner here. Just uh, thought I saw some uh, ne'er-do-well fellas back there. You know, uh, after all, I uh, killed them cops. They got a little bit of heat on me, eh? Sure, sure. Uh, I understand. Everything all right, then? Um, she just kind of shrugs and she's like, Right, yeah, sure, let's go with that. Maybe we should keep walking, though, eh? Sure. And, yeah, Everett will go. Uh, Ridley, you do not hear your trigger phrase. No, no Ridley will just... candidate for you today. Ridley will just keep following along, just quietly in the back, watching the corners. Everett will, like, give him a little, like, jab with his elbow and be like, well, 
She kills cops. <laughs> like, keep keep walking. Yeah, the weird thing is that you're cool with it, you know? Like, I think that would bother you. Oh, yeah, no, I had my whole, like, moment of processing that. I lived it. It was fucked up, and I have kind of putting on a face here, but... Yeah, because yeah. you wouldn't really think that you'd be the one okay with the person who murdered the police officers and then planned to burn down a nightclub with everyone inside. You seem really troubled by that when it was us. But with her, yeah. it's cool. Uh... It needs to be cool, if that makes sense. Uh, I feel like you're a tremendously repressed man, you know? Like, I don't feel like you really just let your feelings out. Uh, and Everett's face is, like, inscrutably neutral, and he just kind of says, probably, <laughs> and then walks, walks on. Excellent. Um, so the three of you uh, kind of make your way down this, uh, this side alley, and eventually you come out into um, a small park. Um, that uh, is uh, obviously it's it's nighttime, so it's not uh, uh, tremendously full, um, and you're able to kind of pull up a, a discreet um, sort of bench type area to, to kind of uh, lurk near. Um, so um, with that, uh, Jocelyn kind of looks around. You can see her shoulders relax uh, a bit. She's like, uh, "Right, uh, I think we should be good here then." Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. It's me, Tyler Hewitt. I normally play Everett Fry, but today I'm playing the role of guy who will talk to you about Patreon. That's right. Dum Dums and Dice has a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, you can support us at a number of different levels. For example, for $25 a month, you get your name added in the special thank yous at the end of every episode. And you get to create an NPC of your own that will join the cast of Dum Dums and Dragons or Blood and Syrup, or the Valentine Heresy in their adventures. You don't have to be bitten by a vampire to be immortalized, okay? It, it's, it can be so much simpler. Patreon.com slash dumdumdice, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Okay? Memorize it. Type it. Click it. The clicking part is, is subscribing. All right. You got this. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Tyler Hewitt, just coming at you with a little special offer for you. You know, if you're a fan of uh, what we're doing here on the show, then we have, to borrow a phrase from Jerry Holkins, a patron-oriented experience tailored just for you. If you go to patreon.com slash dice. You can sign up and get a bunch of special features that we're not really going to make available to anyone else, so do that. Now. Well, not right now, but, you know. So, uh, Jocelyn. It's Jocelyn, right? Uh, that's right. Jocelyn St. James. Right. Vampire you, hunter. Do you know who we are? You seem to know a fair bit about us, but are introductions in order? Well, I, I wouldn't say no. Probably, uh, good manners, you know? Right. Well, my name's Everett Fry. This here is uh, Ridley Beef. You can call me Mr. Beef, you know, I like to keep things professional. Uh, would you be the one they call uh, the Riddler? That's correct. You fucking mm. nailed it. Um, so uh, she nods and um, goes on to explain. Uh, she does seem like legitimately kind of like happy that you introduced yourselves. Uh, Everett, um, you get the sense she probably knows who you are, but yep. now that you're uh, now that you're actually like in in communication, it's it's nice to actually have a conversation uh, as as uh, people and monsters, as it were. Um, so uh, 
uh, Jocelyn is like, right, now uh, you're probably wondering uh, why a vampire hunter like myself uh, is teaming up with a couple of kindred. Is that right? That's uh, exactly right, yeah. Right. All right. Ridley just nods. He's being like this stern, over-the-shoulder nodding guy, though he's dressed like Don Johnson in Miami Vice with women's sunglasses, so it doesn't have the full effect you'd imagine. And I was going to say, like, over-the-shoulder, you mean, like, at Everett's shoulder, right? Yeah, he's behind Everett, like, leaning against a rock. Around the shoulder. So he looks even shorter. Yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, She's, uh, she says, uh, all right, mate, well, it's a bit of a complicated story, uh, this, but um, short version is, uh, came over here looking to, uh, there goes the accent, uh, you know, it was, uh, I was having a good day, mates, uh, and, um, <laughs> then it turned into a, a bad day, uh, for old, uh, St. James family. Uh, my husband was, uh, killed by uh, one of you, uh, sucked the blood right out of him, had to shoot him in the heart with a, put a stake in him, uh, and then, uh, realized, uh, that doesn't do it, so I had to chop off his head, and uh, not, not, not a great day, uh, for me, uh, but, uh, taught me a couple things, uh, he and I, we'd been, uh, looking for, for the kindred for some time uh, and uh, looking to put a stop to him uh, and they put a stop to him. So that was a lesson learned. Uh, but uh, heard about, uh, there was a, a, some kind of, it, it turned him uh, real fast and she goes on to explain um, a, that uh, when she was kind of searching the vampire she killed uh, after she hunted him down, uh, she was able to find um, a couple of vials of what uh, she now knows as Drac uh, on uh, the vampire uh, and as uh, she continued her quest to um, kind of uh, dig deeper into kindred society, uh, she learned that, um, uh, like, he turned real fast. Like, he was bitten, and then a couple moments later, like, went after her. And uh, nothing in kindred society suggests that uh, transformation, um, like, the embrace is not that quick, as, as you've seen with uh, both Harvey and now Chonky. Um so uh, she began to uh, investigate um, substances that could do this, uh, different clans that might do this. Obviously, um, you know, if any of you were proper Camarilla, the fact that she was able to breach the masquerade so effectively is quite concerning. But honestly, Everett, you were kind of on your way to that yourself uh, before you were embraced. Yeah. Um, so she explains that she and her husband um, were were kind of like... Uh, think if, if it was just two Xanders in Buffy... Uh, so just like a couple of people who realized that there were supernatural things, but had no supernatural powers themselves who kind of set out, uh, to try and right some wrongs. Um, and unfortunately came, came up against the, uh, the hard side of, of, uh, of kindred society. So I've got some drag myself. If you don't mind me stepping in Everett, I don't want to step on your toes. The... Kind of funny thing is, I think every time Drag has come up, Everett hasn't been around. So I think this is all like pretty new information for him. So he's just like, by all means. Yeah, so I can tell you they were serving that shit up at the club like nobody's business. I got fucking nine vials that I lifted off a boy and sent him out. Uh, is this shit like vampire superpower bullshit? Like, oh, it, you take it yeah. and you fuck his psycho. Because, okay, well, I mean, do you want one to do science on? <laughs> Um, you you can see that like she's like legitimately chuffed about this and the fact that you think she might be a scientist. Um, so she's like, uh, "Well, right, if if you don't mind sparing it, it'd be right useful." Okay, but how are you going to use it? I just want to know in advance because there's a darker side of this where I picture you going off and taking this and being like, "I could kill every vampire ever," and then we have to put you down. And Everett seems to like you. 
Um, so no, that doesn't seem to be her intent. Um, she truly does want to study it because basically, uh, as she, she continues to explain, her investigations uh, led her to what basically almost seems like a drug ring um, that uh, seemed to have operations um, in uh, Sydney. But then as she kind of killed her way through that, um, she discovered that they had international reach. Uh, and her search actually brought her uh, to Toronto, or at least she was on her way to Toronto. Um, because the, uh, there were signs of a major Canadian operation, um, but also she got word, uh, through some particularly gruesome kills, uh, of the, uh, the meeting, um, that occurred uh, in the CN Tower. And her goal was to kind of like, oh, well, I may not be able to solve this drug thing, but if I can kill two high-ranking kindred, more the better. Uh, unfortunately, someone got there first. Um, so she arrived um, kind of on, on Canadian soil just in time to hear about the uh, the CN Tower attack. Uh, and as a result, her lead was cut off. So turning back to the drugs, um, she was able to trace them uh, to uh, the Batista Syndicate uh, operating out of Montreal, uh, which has in turn brought her here. Um, that said... Uh, Obviously, things are in a bit of a state of flux. Uh, as a vampire hunter with some understanding of kindred society, uh, Jocelyn's quite concerned uh, about the power vacuum here in Montreal. The fact that um, the leader of the Sabbat here, A, had left to go um, fight in Jenna, but then had died in the CN Tower attack, meant that a bunch of incredibly careless, literally and figuratively bloodthirsty vamps were in full control of Montreal, but also knowing how tantalizing an opportunity that would be for other clans uh she basically decided that this would be a good place to um kind of lay down stakes lol um and um set up shop uh because any power vacuum like this is going to have bad ramifications and if drac is moving through montreal the odds of what happened in the nightclub happening elsewhere are very high so she goes on to explain that based on her observations um a bunch of if drac was being distributed in the club Odds are a bunch of um, kind humans took Drac uh, and essentially became feral thinbloods. Um, now, a lot of this doesn't make a whole fuck ton of sense to either of you, given that you're not particularly well versed in, in kindred society as of yet. Um, but I think... Uh, yeah, so you take it and you come out like a crazy shit vampire. Okay. Yeah, um... Uh, Ridley, you would know from the Note Nostra that um, Thinbloods are, are the um, the eventual uh, kind of like fear of, of kindred society. Uh, they're bloodlines, generationally bloodlines that are so far removed um, from their uh, antediluvian uh, that um, they're almost not kindred, like they're on the line. Um, and as a result... Uh, can't pass the blood on uh because they're they're literally the blood is thin um so uh jenna the massive war going on in the middle east uh with like all the old school vampires is thought like the thin bloods were thought to be the the coming of that if once the all the bloodlines are too diluted that'll be vampire apocalypse but the world continues to march on so clearly someone fucked up somewhere along their line the note nostra would think this is kind of bullshit but they would warn you um that thin bloods are uh, a killable like you'd kill a human like they 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 take damage they can walk in the day they're basically um jordan uh gordon stevenson was a right. thin okay so basically they can walk around in the daytime with like minor irritants but they also hurt real bad um with human weapons even so 
All this to say, you'd be warned that A, they're highly ambitious because they want better blood, but B, um, I think given that you're a bruiser and a murder type there, uh, Ridley, you would know, like, yeah, vampires, you gotta, like, rip off the head and, like, really fuck them up. Thin bloods, you can kind of shoot <laughs> if you need to. Um, but nevertheless, yes, in a nutshell, uh, feral vamps um, and that uh, turn much faster. They're not strong, but they do turn incredibly quickly. All right, so yeah, take a vial of this. Uh, I guess we can keep an eye out for the source of this one, because I'll tell you, from what I know of the people I deal with, if we've got some sort of vampire underground selling shit drugs that turn people into bloody little psychopaths, I think we should, uh, let's just say, sun the lot of them so that they don't get to do it no more. Right, yeah. so that's uh, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you both about. Um, you're a bunch of bloodsuckers, uh, not great, but... Uh, Connor needs your help. Uh, and uh, she kind of like nods to Everett. She's like, and from the looks of this one, uh, y'all need my help too. So what do you say to uh, an alliance of uh, mutual interest? Well, I say we just need to agree on the long-term goals because I'd hate to agree on something this week and become enemies next week. That would be so depressing. It sounds like what you're looking for is a little bit of fucking stability. Not psychopaths, not people out there fucking eating women and children left, right, and centre. So why don't we, yeah, we can help you take out the fucking scumbag vampires. And at the same time, I think it's in your best interest if you know we started running the city. Because then we could enforce the rules in a way that is mutually acceptable. You know, vampires are kind What? I was saying, uh, Miss St. James, you're not uh, Inquisition, are you? Uh, No, mate. Uh, kind of doing my own thing. Right, me greatly, right. but it's what I'm doing. All the Inquisition we've uh, encountered so far, they work in groups, and you're solo, eh? That's right. Just yeah. me. Well, me and me crossbow. Of course, sure. So, uh, I think I think Ridley's got a point there, that uh, you don't need to play by their rules. You can play by your own. And I think it's in your best interest to form a uh, longer-lasting alliance. Something something that can remain beneficial past this job. Yeah, so basically, um, she agrees to your terms, because uh, that's basically where her, her head was at as well, explaining that um, of everything she's seen of Kindred Society, your coterie seems to be an odd mix of, like, chaos and to some extent some kind of moral underpinning. Um, she's a, a little bit delighted by the fact that, uh, you tried to return the baby rather than eating the baby, uh, seemed to score you some points. Um, but, so, uh, so much about the rest of vampires. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but also I think, uh, the fact that you're outsiders, uh, helps a lot. The fact that Iris has been and continues to be a high profile person, um, who sort of throws her weight around, uh, and the fact that like one of you is a cop and one of you is a mobster has given her a degree of, of comfort in approaching you because you guys really are kind of like the island of misfit toys when it comes to vampire society. And there's something, um, I think, approachable about that and understanding, like, yeah, you don't have a bunch of, like, you know, eighth-generation vampires over your shoulder being like, oh, no, you got to do it this way. Y'all are kind of on your own. That's and such that... a wild perspective to take because I feel like Everett, like, is looking at the Coterie as, like, a powder keg that's, like, going to go off at some point. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Everett's been inside. <laughs> She's been lurking on rooftops right, like yeah. Batman. Uh, to Batman, you seem real, like, 
pretty okay. I was gonna say Everett <laughs> also has no concept of what other coteries are like. That's true too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, she's observed you with like Dederick as well, and like it, again, just the tone of the coterie seems different than than a lot of the vampires she's killed. I mean, seen, seen, um, killed. Um, but uh, all, right. all in all, so, is uh, he Drac? So, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, Ryan, the only thing uh, I would like from you, though, sir, is um, because we're moving, uh, as we kind of continue to delve further and further into the system and, the, and uh, our adventure, uh, I want to make sure we're also leaning on the dice um, in a way that we often do with our other systems, uh, particularly for social encounters. Um, right up till now, it's been a lot of, like, uh, Iris Dunn, social fighter, uh, where, like, it's <laughs> true, yeah. Iris with, like, a fistful of dice dealing with social stuff. Um, but there are a lot of skills that aren't, like, impress a room full of people with poetry that are, like, is she on the level? Can you trust her? How much can she trust you? Um, so for both of you, um, I'd like you to roll um, a check to uh, help solidify this. Uh, she seems on the level from what you've seen, but who knows? Um, I would take, in this case, uh, insight, streetwise... Or awareness, not investigation. I was gonna say, is this us figuring her out or us trying to pitch ourselves to her? Um, let's say you trying to pitch yourselves to her. Uh, she has to decide whether, again, this is as you were talking about in terms of compromises. She has to kind of break some code to. <laughs> cool. I was uh, gonna say, and a rarely used skill would leadership count for this if he's sure. pitching an alliance. Yeah, cool. I take leadership. Sure. And then, what do you want from attributes? Uh, leadership and, uh, well, it depends what you're trying to do. If it's, um, I think in your case, Ryan, you're on the level. You're literally just laying out what you think is correct. So I would say intelligence, resolve, or composure. Maybe even charisma, actually. I'd say it's probably uh -huh. one of those. Um, and Tyler, for you, again, you're being very earnest. So I would say, uh, composure, I think. Yeah, I do you know. I'll go with composure for Ridley as well, because I feel like, as opposed to having to really sell her on this idea because the idea is genuine, he just needs to stay put together enough to not seem like an idiot. <laughs> okay. Um, so, sorry, you mentioned it was uh, uh, composure and insight? Uh, or Yeah, Tyler, you can take insight, um, awareness... Uh, sorry, insight, uh, leadership, persuasion, streetwise. I'll do streetwise then. Okay. I'll let Tyler answer first. Oh yeah, okay. I'm I'm rolling, but I'm also adding kind of. I'm also I'll mention just that there is a um, uh, dramatically there is a, I I think a willingness to believe her, kind of like just mm -hmm. wanting so badly for like a human like did all of this, did like succeeded where I failed, kind of thing. Uh, yep. So so I'm I rolled my regular dice. Now I'm rolling my three hunger dice for the rest of my roll. Because uh, my roll is six, so here we go. Uh, okay, so that's uh, <laughs> that's one, two regular successes, and then two crits. One of them on a hunger die. Tom, I also got a messy successy. <laughs> <laughs> we have double a double messy successy. <laughs> well, shit. 
This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Megan Miles at Meggie Miles on Twitter, and storyteller Tom McGee at McGee TD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and all of Dum Dums and Dice's logos are by Decapitated Markers at Decapitated Marker on Twitter. That's M-R-K-R. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Angle. And all our ads use the tracks No Control in Chiefs by Jazzar. That's J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available on freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We've also got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon of Darkness at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Sleep well. Children of the Night. Ha ha ha. Spooky. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Olin Anderson, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Caitlin O, Zekin X, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.